Thank you for joining us for the True Life Fellowship Church podcast. Here is today's message from Pastor Devon Alexander. Open your Bibles to John chapter 1 and uh, meet me at verse 35. John chapter 1 and verse 35. I'm excited about the word of the Lord this morning. It's going to be radical this morning. I'm going to share some things with you today that will rock you, that will shake you, that will cause you to ask questions, to go home and study, but your spirit man will receive it. It's going to be your soul that's going to rock you, but your spirit man will receive the word of the Lord. And over the last several weeks, we've been talking about pride and it's been a really good series. How many of you enjoy just talking about, I mean, it's been really revelatory and uh, humility. And I've got more on that. But as we go into Christmas and the new year, I want to go a different direction. And the Lord may bring me back to some of that stuff. But in John chapter 1, let's pick up in verse 35. It says, again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. And looking at Jesus as he walked by, he said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned, and seeing them following, said to him, to them, what do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the 10th hour. And so in this passage of scripture, we understand that John the Baptist, he's the one that's preparing the way for Jesus. He's about six months older than Jesus. And there's a call on his life to declare that Jesus is coming. His message is to repent. Because Jesus is coming, the Savior of the world, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And John has disciples, and at this point, these disciples are following John, obviously, but when he recognizes Jesus, understand Jesus is just a man walking around town at this point. No one really knows who he is. John the Baptist calls him out. He says, behold, there he is. That's the God. That's that dude, you know. That's the one that takes the sin of the world. Well, the two disciples that were with John immediately started to follow Jesus. Now, John wasn't upset by that because his whole call and purpose was to get people to follow Jesus. And so they left John begin to follow Jesus. And Jesus notices them following him. And he he stops and turns to them and says, what what y'all need? You know, what y'all seeking? Why y'all following me? I noticed y'all following me. Why y'all following me? And it's interesting, the next thing that they say, they say, teacher, rabbi, they say, where are you staying? Tap yourself, but tell your neighbor, where do you live? Where do you live? Where do you live? Tell them this, where are you from? Where are you from? Now, this is interesting because anytime we encounter someone. Once 
we get through of the, you know, the fake rituals such as the weather. How's the weather? Oh, it's December and it's 75 degrees. Oh, yeah, it's so hot. Yeah, I can't wait till it gets cold and you get a little phony with the conversation. And then you might say something about the, oh, what nice shoes you have on. Oh, where'd you get those shoes? I'm a girl, I got them shoes on sale. They was on sale. And then once you get past some of that, then you kind of get into, well, what do you do for a living? And and this is what I do and, and this is what I do. And and I, I, I'm a type, you know, I'm an, a, a, an assistant. And, and I'm an engineer or whatever the case may be. And then if you really want to go deeper, if you really want to find out something about someone, the next question you ask them is, where are you from? Where do you live? Uh, just recently, an old friend of mine from high school reached out to me on Facebook, hadn't talked to her in, you know, when, however old I am, 93. It was in 93 last time I probably talked to her. She said, oh my gosh, you know, I hadn't, you know, hadn't seen you since 93, whatever the case may be. I have a friend that lives in Charlotte. Well, what's the first question that I asked after she told me she had a friend that lives in Charlotte? Where does she live in Charlotte? Now, why do I want to know and why do I care about where she lives in Charlotte? Now, if she told me that she lived in Ballantyne, I would figure out and have some kind of conclusion about her friend. She told me she lived in Concord. I would have some conclusion about her friend. She told me she lived in West Charlotte. I would draw some conclusion. If she told me that she lived in East Charlotte or even Indian Trail, I would draw a conclusion that, oh, my gosh, she's like me. Because finding out where someone's from, where they live, uh, helps us connect with people. And you can't separate who you are from where you're from. It's very difficult to separate who you are from where you're from. See, your origin gives you your identity. Your your origin gives you a sense of who you are. Your, your origin also gives you a sense of your values and your principles. You can discover talents through your origin. You can, you can discover identity and, and sometimes even discover purpose through your origin. And it's interesting, as we talk about and we find out where people are from, and as you're talking to people and you're discovering where you're from, you are drawing certain conclusions about them. It's like the old saying, right? Uh, you, you can take the girl out the country, but you can't take the country out the girl. Uh, it, it, because your origin is located, or let me say this way, your identity is located in your origin. And so what's so interesting to me about this as well is when we discover where we're from, that's why sometimes it's really good to find out who your mom is, who your dad is, what did they do, how did they grow up, how did they learn, where did they come from. It's, it's important when people are maybe, um, let's see there, I wouldn't say, what's the word? Y'all help me with this. What's the word when we're in foster care? That's what I'm trying to say. When people are in foster care and they possibly don't know their mom or their, or their dad or they're orphans and they possibly don't know, a lot of times you'll see them try to reach out and discover their mom, their dad, where they're from, where they were born, and those things. Why? Because they can find a sense of identity in that purpose when you know where you are from. There's value 
that is found in where you're from. Um, and then there are people that are very prideful or even, let me say it this way, self-respectful in where they are from. Nothing wrong with being a little bit uh, pleased with where you're from. Uh, you know, if, if we were to, if I would ask you to shout out where you're from right now, you, you would know where you're from and you would shout it out because there's nothing wrong with having a little self-respect in regards to your origin. And so a friend of mine here, I was talking to him, he lives in Texas, but he's from California. And while he's in Texas, he says people ask him all the time, now are you from Texas? And he says, I'm not from Texas. I'm not from here. I'm from California. Well, why is that such a big deal? He's pleased with where he's from. And people in Texas will know a little bit more about him because he says he's from California. And that tells you a little bit about them. When when you are talking to, to people and you're discovering By asking the questions, tell me a little bit about your mom. Tell me a little bit about your dad. What what we're we're finding out is a little bit about you. So when these disciples show up and they ask Jesus, where are you staying? Consequently, where are you from? They are trying to discover something about Jesus. And if they can discover Jesus, something about Jesus, then they can discover something about themselves. Jesus, well, before I make that statement, make this statement. Isn't it amazing that you cannot choose where you're from? You can't choose. Now, your parents had an opportunity to choose where you're from, but you can't choose where you're from. You're from where you're from. And when you discover where you're from, you'll find a sense of identity and a sense of purpose. Well, they asked Jesus, where are you from? Where are you staying? And Jesus said, come and see. Come and see. Because initially, Jesus asked them, what do you seek? And they said, where are you staying? So they're seeking something and the first question they wanted to know, where is, he, where is he from? He said, come and see. Now, in John chapter 3, we have another situation where this guy, his name is Nicodemus. He, he shows up to Jesus by night. This is between John chapter 3, verse 1 and uh, through verse 10. Shows up to Jesus by night. Interesting that he shows up by night. He schedules a meeting with Jesus at night. He didn't want anyone to know that he was approaching Jesus to talk to him. So he shows up to Jesus by night, and he says to Jesus, he doesn't even ask him a question. He says, it is apparent. We all know that, that God is with you. It is very clear. And Jesus answers. Now, there's not even a question being asked, but Jesus answered and says, you must be born again. And he says, you must be born again in order to even see the kingdom of God. Well, Nick, you know, he's like, whoa. So you're saying I must enter the womb of my mother a second time and be born? I mean, I don't think that's a bad question. He doesn't understand spiritual things. 
And Jesus said, no, 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 you, you don't have to enter the second time. You must be born again or you can't even enter into the kingdom of God. And then Jesus tells them about the wind and you don't know which way the wind goes and this and that. He's talking about spiritual things. And Jesus tells them there's a, a physical birth and there's a spiritual birth. He's not really comprehending. And this guy, Nick, is a preacher. He's a minister. He's a leader of the synagogue. He's not comprehending these spiritual things. But when Jesus tells him, you must be born again, we must find out what Jesus is saying. Now, this is the only time Jesus says you must be born again. But it's one of the most important statement, if not the most important statement in all of Scripture. You must be born again. Now, that word born again Look it up. It means born from above or born of God. Born from above or born of God. In John chapter 3, verse 31, and John chapter 8, verse 23, both times Jesus uses this statement, you, he says, I am from above. You are from beneath. I am from above. And he says, I am not of this world. You are of this world, but I'm not of this world. So Jesus says, you must be born again. He's literally saying, you must be from above or you must be born of God. Now, I'm working on something. Stay with me. I'm working on something. He says, you must be born of God or you must be born again or you must be born from above. Now, how many of you heard the phrase, we are in this world, but we are not of the world. You heard that phrase? We're in it, but we're not of it. This is what we're saying. We're in this world, but we're not of. We're not from. We are above the world system. The world is not a place. The world is a system, a way of thinking that is contrary to all things God. And so Jesus is saying, you must, he tells Nick, you must be born of God. You must be born again. Now, I love the part where he says, if you're not born again, you can't even see the kingdom of God. And so this is, this is very interesting because the kingdom of God is an invisible kingdom. It's a kingdom that you and I are a part of. God is the king. It is his domain. And we're not just citizens of the kingdom of God. We are actually sons and daughters of the kingdom of God. God is the king and he is our father. And we are sons and daughters in the kingdom of God. And Jesus tells him, you can't even see this invisible kingdom if you're not born again. And so it's an, if you can't see it unless you're born again, then you must be born again in order to see it. And when you see it, it gives you new perspective. Seeing the kingdom gives you a new way of thinking, gives you a new way of seeing. It's like what Paul says, while we do not look at the things that are seen, but are the things that are not seen, because of the things that are seen are temporary, the things that are not seen are eternal. Only the born again can see things that are not seen. That's why insight is better than eyesight. Let me say it again. That's why 
insight is better than eyesight. Why is that the case? Because I'm in the kingdom. I'm born again. I'm born of God. I'm born from above, and I can see things that no one else can see. This is why you can have a different perspective than the world. The world may be scared of what's going on with a new virus, Omicron or whatever they want to call it, and they're going to come out with more names, by the way. And the world may be tempted and scared, and I got to stay home, and I got to do all of this and do all of that. But when you're in the kingdom, you can have a different perspective about these things. You don't have to be in fear like the world is in fear about these things because you're in the kingdom, and you are born of God, and you are born from God, and you are born from above. Uh, uh, this is so good because if you can see the invisible, you can do the impossible. And the only way you can see it is you must be born again. You must be born of God. Now, in John chapter 1, let's turn there real quick. If you don't mind, let's put it on the screen. John chapter 1, let's look at verse 12, I believe. I like it from the Amplified Bible. Listen to this. John chapter 1 and verse 12. He says, but to as many as did receive and welcome him. Is that you? Did you receive and welcome him? He gave the authority, the power, the privilege, the right to become the children of God. That is to those who believe in, adhere to, trust in, and rely on his name. Look at verse 13. Who owe their birth neither to bloods nor to the will of the flesh. That is a physical impulse nor to the will of man, that of a natural father or plans, but to God. They are born of God. Ooh, this is so important. I'm trying to, trying to hold it in, take my time with this. So John is telling us if you receive Jesus, then your, your birth was not just through some sexual activity. It wasn't even because of the will of man like we planned your birth that's not that's not why you're here when you receive Jesus you are literally born of God and so your origin is not from your parents your origin is from God you become a son and daughter of God, God birthed you. How can you be so afraid when God is your father? And he birthed you. And you're scared because you, the bill is due and you can't pay the bill? And God birthed you? You're scared because that a doctor's report that came out, and obviously you should take it seriously, but God birthed you? You're scared to step out and do some things that God's called you to do because, uh, well, my, my daddy never did it and my mama never did these things, but you're not born of mama and daddy. Yes, they gave you your physical body, but you were born of God, and God becomes your origin. God becomes the one that initiated you. God is the one that is responsible for you. He, he's the one that you belong to. So when we 
seek our origin, it comes back to God. Let, let me give you an example. So Stacy and I were dating. And, and this revelation was many years ago. And I've been really praying over what we're talking about now and fellowshipping around now and just reminding myself of these things. But this revelation came to me many, many years ago. And we were dating and uh, we were getting to know one another, going a little bit deeper. You know, those conversations that you have. And she turns to me and she says, so tell me a little bit about your origin. You know, tell me a little bit about where you, where you were born, a little bit about your mom and dad. I want to know a little bit more about it. And I said, babe, well, at the time I didn't say babe. I said, uh, I said, Stacy, I'm from above. And she looked at me like y'all looking at me right now. She looked at me crazy. Like, this man is crazy. I said, I'm not from here. I'm from above. I said, God is the one that birthed me. And she looked at me like, you is a fool. You is weird. You must be too spiritual. You's crazy. And I laughed about it and we laughed about it. And basically I told her I was, from, I was born in Mississippi and so on and so forth. And so my dad was military, just to close that story. And dad was military. I was born in Mississippi, moved to California, moved to Alaska, moved to California, moved to Texas. Now I'm in North Carolina. Okay. So now, now you know a little bit about me. All right. You see, how, you see how quickly you can know a little bit about me just from finding out where I'm from? When you find out where you're from, it tells me a little bit about you. I'm from God. I belong to God. So the new birth experience is not just a salvation experience where all of your sins are forgiven. That's great. Praise God. It's even deeper than that. You are from him. You belong to him he is yours, and your way of thinking in order to even see the new kingdom has to be all by faith. It ha faith is the currency of the kingdom because you're believing things you can't see. That's why your unsaved friends can't believe things they can't see. You have the ability to believe some things you can't see. So when I say, I believe, God, that this virus shall not no means harm me, I believe that thing. And I act like it's true. Now, I don't mean that I'm walking around acting stupid and irresponsible. But I act like that's true. I believe it because I'm from God. Well, what about, what about other people that have, that have died of this and, and that, you know, they're Christians. They died of it. People are going to die. Did y'all know that? One day you're going to die. So let me let you know. One day you're going to die. You may not have known that, but you're going to die one day. The question is not, are you going to die? The question is, where are you going to spend eternity? Amen. That's the question. And so we find out that we are from God. Our origin is from him. He birthed us. He's our father. You can say that we are a chip off the old block. You, what, do, what do people say? When, uh, you know, if, if you're a man and you have a son, they'll say, oh, that's your, that's your mini-me. Or if, you're, if you are a woman, you have a daughter, that's your mini-me or whatever the case may be. That's your, that's your mini-me. That, that's true. That, that's your, that's your mini-you. That's you in, in a mini-form. Is it hard-pressed to say that we can be god in a mini form? See, this is where I knew I was going to rock you with this. Can we be a chip off the old block? 
Can we operate like our father in the earth? Matter of fact, put on the screen there, I believe it's Psalms 82.6. Psalm 82.6. Watch this. Look at this. He said, I said, you are God's. And all of you are children of the Most High. Why could the psalmist boldly use this term, you are God's? Now, notice it's a, it's a lowercase g, not a big g. We are not God. But we're a chip off the old block. We are a son and daughter of God. And if God is God, then if he's big G, then we can be little g. Mm, come on, somebody. I'm trying to tell you who you are. I'm trying to tell you where you're from. I'm trying to locate you and let you know your origin and let you know your identity so you can find some purpose, so you can know who you really are in this earth. You're not just like everybody else. Matter of fact, you should be a little foreign to people. People should look at you and say, you're not from here, huh? Matter of fact, we went, this was many years ago, we went down to, now I don't eat at McDonald's anymore, and, but we went down to McDonald's many years ago, and we was in the country. We were somewhere deep south Georgia, and I went to McDonald's, and we ordered some food, and the lady at McDonald's said, you're not from around here, huh? I said, no, I'm not. I said, how can you tell? She said, I, I can just tell you're not from around here. And I had, a, I had an epiphany. I had a revelation. That's how we should be walking around in this earth. People should be like, you're not from here. You, you, you're not, there's something different about you. You're not, why are you not concerned about what's going on? You, you, you're not, be, why? I, listen, I can't get caught up in this, all this rhetoric and, and all this. I, I, I'm, I've got a bigger purpose than that. I, I, I've got, I've got a God who loves me. I've, I've got a father who, who cares about me and, and I'm just passing through and, and, and I'm just temporary here on this earth. And there's an assignment for me on this earth. I can't get caught up with some of this stuff that y'all caught up with. Who am I talking to today? He says, watch this. You are God's lowercase g. Why? And all of you are children of the Most High. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God said, he said this in Genesis 1, 26. He said, let us, talking to the Godhead, make man in our image according to our likeness. This is not a foreign concept that we are created in the image of God and in the likeness of God. And then he says, and let them have dominion over, over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle on the ground, and every creeping thing that creepeth on the earth. He's saying that humanity is in the image of God. And when you receive Jesus, because Satan came in the form of a serpent, deceived Eve. He did not deceive Adam, by the way. Adam knew exactly what he was doing. He deceived Eve. Eve then ate of the fruit, gave it to Adam. Adam ate of it. Sin came. Satan then became the, the God, lowercase of the world. But then Jesus came through Mary, glory be to God. God got in the flesh, in Jesus, took all of our sin and shame away on the cross. And then he said in Matthew 28, all authority has been given unto me. He got it back. I said he got it back. And then he gave it to us who will receive him through the born again experience. You are not from here. Say, I'm not from here. Say it again. I'm not from here. Say it again. I'm not from here. Where are you from? You're from above. Say, I'm from above. 
you are not from here. When you have this mindset, there are things that have been trying to bother me. Jeannie even said in the offer message, her heart's been pressed. And there are some things over the last few weeks that have been trying to bother me. I have to remind myself, I'm not from here. So if I'm not from here, then I don't care. Listen to me now. Well, you, you, well, Pastor, you mean I don't care about the safety of my kids? No, I care about the safety of the kids, but I got to place the safety of my kids in the care of the Lord. When they leave my house, I say, God, I place them into your care because you will care for them. I, I can't be staying up all, all night trying to fret and sitting at the house. What's going on? Let me call the teacher. Let me call the teacher. Let me see what's going on. I can't do all that. I got to trust God. And say, you know what, though a thousand may fall at my side, though 10,000 at my right hand, it shall not come near me. Why, why can't we boldly say that? Because we are from God and this is God's word. And so if God's word is, is for us, then it is for us. <laughs> Glory to God. Are you getting what I'm saying today? See, when you realize where you're from, you're not from here, you're from God. You have been birthed by God. Now, God, you might, in, in Scripture, Paul talks about the adoption process. In the adoption process, God adopts your body. So he's adopting your body, but your spirit, the real, the real you is not your body. The real you is not a black man or a white woman. That's not the real you. The real you is a spirit. And you have a soul, a mind, will, and emotions, and you live in this body. When, when Paul talks about the adoption process, he's talking about your body has been adopted for the service of the Lord here on the earth. But this body is not going to be here forever. This body is going to decay, and you, but you're going to live forever. Your spirit's going to live forever, and that's what became new. Old things passed away. Behold, all things became New, your spirit became a, a, a spirit that had never existed before on the earth. So you weren't renovated. You became brand new on the inside of you. And on the inside of you, see, when you gave your life to Jesus, you didn't all of a sudden, you had black hair and then it turned gray all of a sudden, or you had gray hair. And then it, No, 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 no. The outside stayed the same, but the spirit man changed. This is why many of you had an experience, you started crying. Why, was, some, was there something sad that made you cry? No, something new happened. Something fresh and original that never existed before happened. Changed on the inside of me, and I began to cry with an understanding because now I can see the kingdom of God. And so you became born of God, and you belong to God. And in Psalms 82, it, he says there, you are actually are gods. I, I, I know that's going to shake your religion. I know some of you may not come back after I said that. But truth be told, you are lowercase g on the earth. Matter of fact, when you were created in his image, in his likeness, then you were created to do what he did in your sphere of influence. So in Genesis chapter 1, all we see is, and then God said, and then God said, and then God said, and then God said, and then God said. How did everything happen? Because he said it. He said it, then it happened. And if you're created in his likeness and in his image, and Psalms tells us that we're lowercase g, 
then if I say it, it should happen in my sphere of influence. I don't have the same jurisdiction as, as capital G has. He says, and it changes the, you know, everything. If he says today is Tuesday, guess what today going to be? Tuesday. It's going to change everything, right? The clocks are going to be acting crazy. It's going to change everything. But in my sphere of influence, if I'm creating the image of God, if God is my father and I want to act like him, I mean, I want my kids, whether I want, let me say it this way, whether I want them to or not, they're going to act like me, whether I want them to or not, right? So I have to be a good example to them because they're going to act like me, whether I want them to or not. God is expecting us to act like him. Oh, are you getting this today? He's expecting us to act like him. Is God worried about the economy? Is God worried about that bill that came due? Is God worried about the doctor's report? God's not worried about any of that. And he's expecting us to act like him. What would God say to a doctor's report? What would he say to it, huh? By my stripes, I am healed. <laughs> He would speak to he. So why don't we act like God? Well, I'm just so worried. I'm just so concerned. And this this Omicron may jump on me, and I got I can't go, I can't leave the house, and I can't I can't do nothing. It's 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 coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Why can't we say, you know what? I'm gonna be responsible and do and use wisdom, but at the same time, I am of God, and it it's, it shouldn't come near me. Too much, too many words in scripture that say it shouldn't, it shouldn't affect me. But what if it does? Well, by his stripes, I'm healed. I've been made whole. He sent his word and healed me. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Now watch this. Look what Jesus did in John chapter 10, if you don't mind. John chapter 10. And uh, let's look at verse 30, I believe. John chapter 10 and verse 30. Watch this. Jesus is talking here. This is, this is right after they are attacking him. And John, I encourage you to read John chapter 10, but they're attacking him, and they are attacking what he's saying. And he, he ends it with this statement, the Father and I are one. Let's pause there for a second. The Father and I are one. Are you, how many of you have children here? Have you got children? Uh, it, did they come from you? Is there some type of unity and a oneness that comes through that? Do, do, you, do you feel responsible for them? Do, do they belong to you? Me and my kids, we're one. If you, if you say something crazy about my kid, you said something crazy about me. You punch my kid, guess what? You're going to get punched. From me, right? I mean, hey, we're all one. We're all one. So Jesus said, the Father and I are one. Can you say that? Let me hear you say, the Father and I are one. Now think about that for a second. The Father and I are one. That's a deep statement. Let me, let me tell you how deep it is. It's going to get you in trouble for believing this. Watch this. Look at verse 31. He says, once again, the people picked up stones to kill him. Paul's right there. As soon as he said, the Father and I are one, people, people started wanting to kill him. Who do you think you are? How dare you say you're the son of God? 
That's blasphemy. I mean, who do you think you are? We're going to kill you. Who do you think you are? I'm just a child of God. I'm just someone that's received him and he birthed me and he bought me and he purchased me and he adopted me and I belong to him. I mean, he and I are one. But they picked up stones to kill him. Look at verse 32. Jesus said, at my father's direction, I have done many good works. For which one are you going to stone me? Now, listen, listen to me. Look at me. He's saying, my father and I are one, and I've done some good things. Are y'all going to stone me because of some the, one of the good things I've done? I've done a lot. Which one are y'all going to use to kill me? Now, let's look at verse 33. He said, verse 30, um, look at verse 33, ready? He says, they replied, we're stoning you not for any good work, but for blasphemy. You, a mere man, claim to be God. Now, let's pause there. Look at me. Let's pause there. Jesus didn't get, get stoned or get hung on the cross because of any good thing that he did. He didn't get hung on the cross because he healed the sick or raised the dead or opened the eyes to the blind. He didn't get put on the cross for any of the good stuff he did. He got put on the cross because he said, my father and I are one. He claimed to be the son of God. And he was put on the cross. He claimed to be different. He claimed to not be from this earth, and they they put him on the cross. But if you've been born again, you have the same testimony. I'm not from here. But I have responsibilities. God didn't want you just passing through, acting as if you don't have any purpose or identity or anything to do. You have responsibilities to accomplish and purpose to fulfill, but I'm of God. Now look at verse 34. Jesus replied, isn't it written in your own scriptures that God said to certain leaders of the people, I say you are gods? And we just read that. I say you are gods. Look at verse 35. And you know that the scriptures cannot be altered. So if those people who received God's message were called gods, pause there. How many people received God's message? Let me see your hands. You received. And listen, you were called gods. This is Jesus talking. Look at verse 36. Why do you call it blasphemy when I say I am the son of God? After all, the father set me apart and sent me into the world. You've been sent into the world. Look at verse 37. Don't believe me unless I carry out my father's work. Keep going. But if I do his work, believe in the evidence of the miraculous works I have done, even if you don't believe me, then you will know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Pause there. Say the Father is in me. And say I am in the Father. Now you have to really believe this, that God is in you and you are in him. I'm not talking about head knowledge. I'm talking about action that goes behind this belief. Well, I believe that, but I'm going to go do whatever I want to do. No, 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 no. I believe that I'm going to act like that's true. I'm going to act like the Father's in me and I'm in him. Now look at verse 39. Once again, they tried to arrest him, but he got away. 
and he left them. And I love verse 40. Take a look here. He went beyond the Jordan River near the place where John was first baptizing and stayed there a while. Now, pause there. What happened? How many Bible scholars do I have in here? What happened at the Jordan River? Can anyone shout out and tell me what happened at the Jordan River? Baptism, right? His baptism. What happened at the baptism? The Holy Spirit rested on him. And then what else happened when the Holy Spirit rested on him? The Father spoke. And what did the Father say? This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. They attacked Jesus. And they went after what he was saying. And Jesus went back to the place where he heard God say, you are my son, and I am pleased with you. So Jesus himself went back to that place. And then it says in this verse, he stayed there a while. Why did he hang out at the Jordan River? Because that's where he heard the voice of God. And that's where he got confirmation. And that's where he got reassurance. And that's where he got an understanding. And that's where he got encouraged that, you know what, at this place, I've heard from God. And God said, I'm his son. I know Pookie and Ray Ray say that I'm not his son. I know Bob and Billy say I'm a blasphemer. I know Rachel and, T and Tanya are trying to say that I'm, a, I'm a, a fool. But Jesus went back to the place and said, God told me. I'm his son. And he stayed there a while. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine, and he was going through some things, and I shared this verse with him. And I said, man, look what Jesus did. And what he was going through was the call. Am I called to do this? Am, am, I, am I supposed to do this? And, and he was going through just the call behind it. You know, leading and, and being up front and being out front, it, it's not for the faint-hearted. It really is. I mean, we all get tired. We all get a little weak. And, and, and he was like, I don't know if I'm still called. I just don't know. And I said, man, look at this verse. Even Jesus himself went back to the place that God spoke to him. And said, you're my son. And he hung out there. And so this pastor took these words literally. He traveled out of state. Went back to the little church that he heard the call of God on his life. And he walked in. It was a new pastor and all that stuff. And he said, I just want to sit here if you'll allow it. Because I heard from God in this place. And God told me to pastor. And he said, I hung out there for a while, just for a couple of hours, just hung out there in that place. I'm encouraging you to go back and visit your salvation experience. If you can physically go back, do it. But, but I can't physically go back. Mine's in Alaska. Unless y'all want to pay for me to go to Alaska, that's where I gave my life to the Lord. No. But, uh, uh, well, let me say I can't. I'm not going back to Alaska. Let me just say that. But if you, because I guess I can, but uh, I'm not. But, uh, but go back. Go back to that place where God introduced himself to you. He says, I'm God, and I want to take care of all of your sin and your shame. I want to, I want to carry all of your cares. I want to take all of that pressure away. I want to take all of that stress away. 
And I want to just minister to you because now you're my son, you're my daughter. And, and I just want to take care of you and I want to provide for you and I want to lead and guide you. And, and I just want to be in you and I want you to be in me and I want us to be one and I don't want you to worry about anything that's happening around and I, I don't, don't, don't even be concerned about what's going on. Go back to that place. Go back to it. Where, where was that place? Go back to it. Sit, sit down in your rocking chair and just go back to that place and say, I remember when the Lord introduced himself and he told me, that he will be my savior and he will be the Lord. That means master of my life. And there's a lot going on. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of news rhetoric. There's a lot of media. There's a lot going on. But I encourage you. Where's Gene at? Gene, I need some help. I encourage you to go back. Go back to that place. That place where you, where you felt comfort, where God said, I, I, I got this. I got this. I've, I've had to, just in the last couple of weeks, guys, I've gone back. I've gone back to the place just in my heart, in my mind, just remembering that's when I heard the voice of the Lord. That's when I heard God say, I'm his, that I belong to him and that he'll take care of me and he'll watch over me and he'll guard and protect me. That's the place. You have been listening to the ministry of Devon Alexander, pastor of True Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more information, go to our website at www.truelifefc.org. You can also support this ministry financially through our website. Thank you, and remember to love, learn, live, and lead.